Hey, I'm Katie Natopoulos, and here are four stories you need to know about today. On Monday, General Joseph Dunford of the Joint Chiefs of Staff gave the fullest briefing yet of the events in Niger that killed four American soldiers. One of those Americans was Sergeant LeDavid Johnson, whose death has been the center of the controversy over Trump's phone call to his widow. General Dunford spent most of the briefing explaining what American troops were doing in Niger at the first place and clarifying the timeline of events, but he left many questions unanswered, saying that they'd be available once the military has completed its review. Finally, when asked if he considered the events in Niger Trump's version of Benghazi, here's what he said. I, I personally see no utility in comparing this incident to any other incident. What I would tell you is we lost four Americans in this incident. We had two others wounded. That makes it a big deal to me. A new law will allow women in Northern Ireland access to fully funded abortions. The 1967 Abortion Act in the UK, the law that allows legal access to abortions in England, Scotland, and Wales, was never extended to Northern Ireland, where abortion remains illegal in almost all circumstances. By the end of this year, women will be able to access a comparable abortion service to the rest of the UK when traveling to England for the procedure. Travel costs will also be covered for those on low incomes. Advocates are still pushing for abortion to be available and funded to women within Northern Ireland without having to travel to England or Wales. So the Internet rules us all. We know that. We admit it. Um, And social media is man's greatest and potentially worst invention, perhaps. BuzzFeed News senior reporter Lam Tui Vo has spent the last year analyzing how people use social media, and she's here to tell us about some of her findings. So what have you learned about the way that people use social media? So one of the things that I think became very prevalent during and after the election is that we see the world through a certain filter. Um, Often this is referred to as a filter bubble. We surround ourselves with people who are probably very likely to confirm rather than question our biases. And therefore, the stuff that we see online is often feeding into our um, already existing value system. Mm -hmm. And that means that the more I like certain things, the more I unfriend other people, the more likely I'm going to adhere to the values I've already had, and the more I'm not likely to understand other people's points of views. So you did an experiment, right, with looking at two different people, a mother and her daughter, their very different experiences on Facebook and their different filters. Yes. Um, They gave us access to the Facebook account, and we looked at their newsfeed, and it was very interesting. They both grew up in the same place in um, Louisiana in a very red county. And the mom never left. And she stayed in a little Republican enclave. And the daughter went out to become a lawyer who is now working in criminal justice reform. And all of this together showed that the daughter's feed became much more... I don't know, diverse and had lawyers on on her newsfeed and she started following different kinds of groups and so on. And her mom was kind of still in her little Republican bubble. Mm -hmm. And while they are both very similar and love each other and can resolve conflicts in person, what was really telling was that they couldn't really do that online. And so you have these two entities that actually really, really care about one another. And then suddenly um, online, the differences are aggravated and you can't even tell anymore whether they're related and whether they care about the same things. So you also did some research into bots. (laughs) Tell us about that. Okay. A bot in its simplest nature is basically an account that posts something based on a 
coding script that someone put together, right? Like a developer wrote something and said, you bot are going to tweet haikus at me every hour now. And that's a very benevolent, sweet bot. But then there's also bots that are problematic. Bots that can be deployed by, let's say, six people to represent 46,000 people, right? It makes it seem like more people are outraged or adhere to a certain opinion than actually are. And so we wanted to look into who is a bot online and who isn't and what may make for an automated account and what may not. And so there are several characteristics to show whether someone may be a bot. How can somebody spot a bot? <laughs> um, so one way to spot a bot is to look at the activity, right? We looked at um, a person in our newsroom, Tom Namako, who is my boss and who I got to roast a little bit with the story, mm-hmm. and tried to look at his tweets. He tweets every freaking day. At his busiest day, during his busiest hour, he tweeted 21 times, right? That's a lot in one hour. A bot tweeted about 242 times <laughs> in one hour. So tweeting a lot is one indicator that something's a bot. Yeah. Then um, it's basically doing like the Blade Runner test. Mm -hmm. Are you real or not? Are you human or not? (laughs) So looking into the profile can help you, right? Like my Twitter handle is Lamtoibo, right? It's one word. It's my name. And uh, someone whose Twitter handle is XYZZ25577 is probably not really a person. Same with profile photos. There are like the anonymous profile photos that a lot of people use. And then there are the stolen profile photos. And um, you can do this really cool trick where you do a Google reverse image search. You just right click Mm -hmm. on it in Chrome. And then you can see, oh, this photo has been used on different weird accounts. What can the average person do to get outside their bubble on social media a little bit? My favorite thing is to slow down. I have this big thing about slow media consumption. Mm -hmm. The internet is basically there to encourage you to share really quickly, to react emotionally, and not to sit back and think, right? Like, it measures clicks and likes and hearts and angries and wows and ha-has so much more than it does, like, a very nuanced discussion between two friends (laughs) or even, like, a way of thinking about things in, in a more complicated matter, like pondering subjects. And for me, it's a lot about saying, hey, I know you're feeling all these feelings, Slow down. Think about why you're sharing it, and then click that share button. Swifties, the Taylor Swift fans, have an elaborate conspiracy theory about her latest song, Gorgeous, and who it's about. So Taylor dropped her latest single last week, and it has some very tantalizing lyrics about finding someone very gorgeous, but you already have a boyfriend and you want to get together with them. This is what it sounds like. Taylor did some private listening sessions with fans at her house. It was just 300 fans, uh, very intimate. And apparently she told them there that it was about her current boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. But the Swifty sleuths don't think this timeline adds up. She met Joe a year ago, apparently. But the song suggests that she was dating someone older at the time, a.k.a. Calvin Harris. Remember him from a while ago? But she and Calvin Harris had already broken up by October, which is apparently when she and Joe first started dating. Are you following people? It's confusing. So things are getting confusing. People are also suggesting perhaps it was Tom Hiddleston. Remember the whole Tom and Taylor thing? They were at the 4th of July together. He had on that weird I Heart TS shirt. Very awkward, embarrassing for everyone involved. But the timeline for that doesn't match up either. 
it sounds like we may never know, but there are a lot of people on the internet who have a lot of ideas about this. Just enjoy the song, folks. That's what I say. Just enjoy the song. For more on these and the latest stories, download the BuzzFeed News app.